Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. Uh, the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. This year, as we were approaching Easter, I was thinking if I had one word to express my response to the idea of the resurrection, what would it be? And I want to get to it by going back in time. Imagine being alive 2000 years ago when Jesus came. Imagine if you were able to listen to him teach and witness his miracles. No one had ever taught like Jesus. No one had ever lived like Jesus. No one had ever loved people the way Jesus did. So imagine if you were there and you wanted to become his follower. And so you left everything. You left your home, you left your family, you left your work. I mean, people told you you were crazy, but you didn't care because you were convinced that to follow this man Jesus was the opportunity of a lifetime. He understood how to live life to the fullest. His love was beyond anything you had ever experienced. His brilliance was unmatched. He was unlike anyone you had ever known. And you believed his little community was going to change the world. So for a few years, this would have been the adventure of a lifetime. And then one Sunday, you go into Jerusalem and everyone wants to make Jesus king but he wouldn't be the kind of king everyone wanted and things went south real fast. By Friday, what we know as Good Friday, this man you had given up everything to follow was dead. And not just dead, he was crucified like a common criminal. That meant failure and you would have experienced deep confusion and despair. On Sunday, you go to the tomb because you had nowhere else to go. And it's very confusing. The tomb is empty and the stone that had been blocked that had blocked the tomb had been rolled away. The Roman guards who were guarding it are gone and there's an angel and the angel says, Jesus is not here. He's still alive. So you go tell everyone this good news, which is actually a dangerous thing to do. I mean, the Romans will probably kill you for it, but they killed Jesus and he was doing great. So you don't worry about that. Now, what do you think would have been the first word out of your mouth if you were standing at the empty tomb on that first Sunday morning? There's a tradition that has been around the church for a long time. Uh, At church gatherings, uh, someone will say, Jesus Christ is risen. And all of the people will respond, he is risen indeed. It's a beautiful sentiment, but I don't think your response would have been that polished. I think if you were there that first Sunday morning, when you had heard the message, Jesus Christ, the guy you knew, the man you followed, this carpenter, this rabbi is raised from the dead. I think the word that would have come out of your mouth would have been, wow. Wow is what we say when something happens that turns the world upside down, but we didn't see it coming and we don't know quite how to take it all in. Wow is an expression of wonder and awe and being dumbstruck. It's interesting. Every language has a word for wow. And yet wow doesn't really have a definition. If someone 
doesn't say wow in a moment of shock, the other word they might say is just God or oh my God. Because in those moments, the soul knows there's something bigger than us. And so I want to talk to you today about this Easter word, wow, because it has something to teach us. Now, life is filled with wows. Uh, history is filled with wows. Uh, the Wright brothers get into a machine and all of a sudden human beings can fly. And then several decades later, a man named Neil Armstrong takes his first steps on the moon. I mean, that was a wow moment. Maybe you remember watching that moment on TV when you were a kid. The Chicago Cubs won the World Series in 2016, proving that there is a God and that God is infinitely good. Uh, that was a wow moment. But it's not just history. Your life is filled with wow moments. A birth, like what a mystery. It never ceases to be. I remember when our daughter Lily was born, I was in the hospital room with Kathy uh, and it was noisy and messy. And then one moment, the doctor gets real serious and he has to do an episiotomy and I just couldn't take it. I started to get woozy. Uh, I'm supposed to be coaching Kathy. Uh, the doctor made me sit down in a chair and put my head between my legs. I mean, it's all I could take. A few moments later, I heard the cry of a baby and my wife asked the doctor, is she okay? And the doctor said, yes, in fact, your baby and your husband are both pinking up at the same time. It's called resurrection. Wow. Go to the Great Wall of China and see this wonderful structure. Wow. Get a driver's license. Like, I can drive a car all by myself for the first time. Wow. I meet a girl in college and propose, and she says yes, and we get married. Wow. Like every life has these wow moments. The universe is built on a wow. Birth and death are wow. But we're here to talk about the most extraordinary wow in human history. And I want to walk through three truths about the resurrection of Jesus that make it the most extraordinary wow. And they're real simple. One of them is that the resurrection actually happened in history. The second truth is the resurrection changed, every, changed everything. And the third truth is the resurrection is deeply personal. Um, it could mean the world, life or death, to you and to me. All right, here we go. Number one, the resurrection really happened. This is important because in our day, often there's this kind of idea floating around about Easter. It goes something like this. Jesus probably existed. He was probably a really good man, probably a great teacher, probably deeply inspirational, but he was just a man. It's just stuff happening at the natural human level. When he died, people missed him. And some people felt like his spirit was still with them. They, they felt this sense of his presence. And so that turned into this uh, mythic story about a resurrection. Because people in the ancient world were kind of naive. Some of them took it literally. Some of them took it seriously, and they shouldn't have. And really, stories about resurrection should be understood as just symbolic. They're just mythic stories about the power of hope or how life has a way of re-emerging. 
I want to explain for a few moments that for the New Testament writers, the resurrection did not mean that. It was not understood that way. They were presenting it as something that actually happened. And a lot rides on this. There's an Oxford scholar named Richard Balcom, uh, a brilliant guy. He wrote a fascinating book called Jesus and the Eyewitnesses, the Gospels as Eyewitness Testimony. He talks about how in the ancient world, ancient Rome or ancient Greece, there would be people who were quite serious about writing about history, about what really happened. It was a very different genre than myth or folklore. And they believed to write serious history depended on uh, talking to eyewitnesses who were still alive, who actually experienced, uh, hopefully had been participants in the event or the war or whatever they were going to write the history of. So history is built on eyewitness testimony by ancient historians who were serious about their craft. We see this in the Gospels. In the beginning, the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, notice how serious he writes what he puts together. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Whatever you think about this writing, it's not intended to be a symbolic story. Balcom writes that in ancient histories that were meant to be taken seriously, eyewitnesses played very much the role that footnotes play in literature in our day. If someone writes something and they're serious about it being taken as a truth claim, they'll put a footnote to say, you can check this stuff out. And we'll see this in serious academic work, you know, in uh, physics textbooks or uh, peer reviewed journal articles or Stanford research, there are footnotes. In light, fluffy, symbolic stories, there are no footnotes. There are no footnotes in Dr. Seuss or the very hungry caterpillar or Cal Berkeley research. All right, I'm just kidding. I apologize if that offended you. We see this dynamic all over the Gospels. The importance of these are stories that are drawn from eyewitnesses. I'll show you one place, but it's all over. Uh, this is in the Gospel of Mark. Mark says this, A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. So Mark notes that there's this man, Simon. Uh, Simon was a very common name in the ancient world, in ancient Israel. And so he wants to distinguish him. Uh, the particular Simon who came from Cyrene. Then to make it even more clear, he notes that this was the father of Alexander and Rufus. Now, why in the world would Mark include the father of Alexander and Rufus? I mean, they were not famous people back then. Balcom notes that it's precisely because they would have become a part of the Christian community. They were still alive when Mark wrote this gospel. Mark is understood to be the first gospel written. And it's interesting that the other gospels don't include these names. Mark was saying, 
these guys are still alive. And if you don't believe me, you can ask them, like, check it out. This happened and it matters. We see the same dynamic uh, of eyewitness testimony in another really striking part of the Gospels. All four of the Gospels, they're written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are accounts of Jesus's life, and they include the names of eyewitnesses who saw the empty tomb and heard the message, Jesus has risen. In each case, the first eyewitnesses at the empty tomb were women. Now, we tend not to think about this a whole lot, but this would have been very striking in the ancient world. Because in the ancient world, women were not regarded generally as credible witnesses. In ancient Israel and in ancient Rome, women generally were not allowed to serve as eyewitnesses in a court. They could not legally give testimony in a court, but men could. You see this dynamic at work in this little passage from the Gospel of Luke. Luke is writing about the resurrection and he says this, it was Mary Magdalene, notice the names, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this, the resurrection, to the apostles. But they, the men, the apostles, did not believe the women because their words seemed to them, uh, the men, like nonsense. Can you believe there was a time when men were slow to take women seriously? Uh, the women said, Jesus Christ is risen, and the men said, fake news, like way, way back then. It wasn't until some of the men actually saw the risen Jesus themselves that they actually started to take it seriously. Now, here's the point. If the stories of the resurrection were just made-up stories trying to convince gullible people about some higher truth, people would have never made up women as the eyewitnesses of the resurrection. And yet in every single gospel, it's women who are listed that way. The only reason women are listed as the eyewitnesses is that in fact, they were eyewitnesses. No one could have made that up. You see, the writers were taking the historicity of the resurrection very seriously. Whatever you may think about these accounts, they are presenting the resurrection as something that really happened. Why? That's what we're gonna talk about next. Have you ever missed something everyone else saw? Maybe you were sitting on the wrong side of the car or train or plane and you missed a beautiful landscape. Maybe you were sitting on your phone and you missed your kid kick a winning goal. Maybe you were hanging on the lawn one night at Hume with everyone else and you missed that incredible shooting star. We all miss things at time, and we get that wave of FOMO or the fear of missing out that rolls over us and makes us feel sad. When we miss seeing something, we feel regretful and left out, bummed because we can't ever get that moment back. I remember when my nephew was born. He's the first baby from my siblings, and his birth was a big moment for our family. I wanted so badly to be able to be near to my sister when she went into the hospital to birth her son, but I was living overseas and life was happening and I missed it. It's one of my saddest moments that I missed. In fact, when I was writing this, I was getting teary-eyed because I missed something that was so incredibly important to me, something I can never get back. You see where this is going, I'm sure. We celebrate Easter every year because it's arguably the most important moment in our Christian lives. 
And it's the moment when Jesus did the impossible. It's the moment our lives and the lives of all Christians before us and all the Christians after us was changed. And this moment when it happened was seen by everyone. It was seen by the women who first encountered an empty tomb. It was seen by the disciples who saw Jesus moments later when Jesus entered their closed room. It was seen by hundreds and hundreds of people who saw Jesus after his resurrection and before his ascension. A moment of wow seen by many, integral for all of us. But some of us miss it. It's easy in the chaos of of life and spring break. It's easy in the moments of challenge some of us have experienced. It's easy when our calendars fill up to miss it, to miss seeing Jesus, to miss spending time with Jesus celebrating the Easter resurrection. Friends, don't miss it. To those who have busy schedules today, find time in your car drive or while you're cooking to take a moment with God. For those who have had challenges or are struggling with God right now, don't miss it. Find a moment to live in the newness of life that the resurrection bring. To those who find themselves watching today but don't know God or have a personal relationship with God, well, don't miss it. Because today can be the day we all see it. We all see and know what God has done for us. The resurrection happened. And Matt's going to continue by exploring how the resurrection changed everything and how the resurrection changes us. Let's be a community who takes the time to see and to hear and to experience God this Easter. All right, the first truth is the resurrection actually happened in human history. The writers of scripture take the historicity of the resurrection very seriously. Why? Because of this next truth. The resurrection changed everything. It is the hinge of history. Like to this day, we date human history by the life of this one man who lived and died and was raised again. We all have wow moments in our lives, but they don't really change a whole lot. I remember when we moved to California and went to Yosemite for the first time. If you've been to Yosemite and have seen El Capitan or Half Dome or Inspiration Point, I mean, those are wow moments. You get your first paycheck. I remember when I got my first paycheck saying, wow. And then I saw how much of it went to the IRS. Wow. Like we all have wow moments, but they come and go. And the world just keeps right on going. Our problems keep right on going. Life and death keeps right on going. Once there was a man named Jesus and he came and taught like no one had ever taught that God is real and God is loving. God is more loving than the most loving mother or loving father. God cares about you. Uh, Not a sparrow can fall from its nest that God does not know and care about. God is infinitely good. God is concerned about justice. There was this amazing movement And then Jesus died and the movement died with Jesus. Do you understand on Saturday, there was nothing left of that movement. And then Sunday, the movement was back on. You know, a lot of people don't, people don't understand this. Christianity is quite unique among faiths in this way. Uh, It's the only faith that did not develop gradually over time. One day it did not exist and the next day it did exist and people were ready to die for it. As a matter of historical fact, people did die for it. Jesus is 
so matter of fact about the resurrection. It's what gave birth to the church. We're told in Matthew's gospel account, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. I love how understated Jesus is here. Greetings, like what did you expect? They came to him, clasped his feet and worshiped him. Yesterday, he was a crucified criminal, a failed Messiah. Today, he's Lord of the universe and they worship him. His way, like the way of servanthood and humility and self-sacrifice and love wasn't thwarted by the cross. In fact, it turned the cross into the most recognizable symbol in human history. You don't have to live in fear anymore. You don't have to live in defeat anymore. Nations rise and fall, civilizations come and go, and the life of this one man, Jesus, impacts the human race 2,000 years later like no other. He changed everything. And the power of the resurrected Jesus can be at work in your life. That's the third great truth. The resurrection is deeply personal. Whatever is going on in your life, we all face this wonder of being born and then having our lives come to an end. Biblical writers talk a lot about this. This is from a book in the New Testament. It's a letter to the Hebrews. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation, to bring deliverance, to bring healing, to bring forgiveness to those who are waiting for him. Are you waiting for him? Here's the truth about you. The biggest wow of your existence has not yet come. The most amazing moment of your life will be the moment after you die. We don't talk about this much, but it's a good thing to think about this now and then, especially at Easter, because it will come to everyone. There's an old story. A little kid comes running out of his bedroom and says to his mother, mom, is it true that from dust we were made and to dust we return? And she says, yes, why do you ask? He says, I was just looking under my bed and someone is either coming or going. Someone is always either coming or going. The moment will come in your life when your life will be over and then something amazing will happen. Either you will see God. You know, I went to visit someone recently who was uh, at home on hospice. She was dying from cancer at a fairly young age. She was in the last hours of her life. And the last thing that she said to me uh, before I left her was, I'll see you in heaven. Imagine that moment. Like that will be your moment. Or the writers of scripture say, you will face an eternity without God. Wow. God doesn't want anyone to face that. So he says, I will give you my grace. I will give you my love and my forgiveness uh, for where you've messed up in life as a free gift. And I'll be part of your life every moment that you live and then you can be with me forever in all of eternity after you die. And in that one moment after you die, not only will you be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, you will be celebrating the resurrection of you. 
Wow. The death and resurrection of Jesus means that sin, your sin, is forgiven. That death, your death, is taken care of. That you can have hope, that you can have purpose, that you can have meaning, that you can have a message, that you can have a destiny, that love has triumphed over hate. And not just that, it means that creation itself is going to be redeemed, that suffering uh, has been repealed, that every loss is going to be restored, that God himself will wipe every tear from every sorrowing eye, that sickness and sadness and grieving and mourning and weeping will be no more. This moment will come. It will surely come. And it will come for one reason, for one thing that actually happened. Jesus Christ is risen. Wow. That's the great gift. That's what we celebrate on Easter. That's why it's such a magnificent wow. And I want to talk to you about one more wow because his death and resurrection power comes to us, not just for us, not just for our own benefit, but so that we can be conduits of God's resurrection power and love and hope for people in our world who so desperately need it. Maybe you have people in your life who you love, but the truth is you often kind of take them for granted. And in this moment, you can remember like that's someone made in the image of God for whom Jesus Christ died and was resurrected. And you can make a decision right now to let that person know how much they matter to you. Maybe you're in a situation where you feel like uh, the hope is gone from a relationship. Uh, maybe it's with a friend or your marriage feels dead, or you've been betrayed by someone, or there's a problem with your children. God wants you to know that because of the resurrection power of Jesus, anything is possible. So would you make a decision to live with that perspective? Anything is possible because of the resurrection power of Jesus. One more thing. We're starting a new teaching series next week called The God I Never Knew. You know, most people have a clear picture of who God the Father is. They're not confused about the person of Jesus, but who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? And how do we feel his presence? So in this series, I'm gonna work hard to remove some of the mystery that surrounds the Holy Spirit so that we can understand him better. We're meant to know God, uh, the Holy Spirit, as fully as we know God the Father and God the Son. So I hope you come back next week. All right, I'm gonna ask that you bow your heads right now and close your eyes. And I just wanna say this prayer. Uh, God, there are people being still right now and they really need your presence and your power, the resurrection power of Jesus in their life. And if this is you and you've never committed your life to God before, you can do it right now. Would you just surrender and just tell him, God, I confess my sin and I repent and I ask you to come into my life and forgive me as a free gift of grace. And would you be the leader of my life? You know, God loves doing that. Uh, God, bring your resurrection power to every person listening who needs it right now. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. 
Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.